encourage you to just go up to them and, and give them a good word. We're also grateful to have uh, students on our, on our worship team, uh, and we're thankful for Ashley for heading that up and leading that for, for all three services this morning. We have Thomas Crawford on the bass and D.B. Jones on drums, and we're also grateful to have Jan and Jerry Rowell assisting with us this morning as well, and for Stan on the, uh, the timpani. I, I asked him if it was timpani or timponi, because I wasn't quite sure if it had that more Italian-sounding name, but... Um, Please stand as we now uh, enter into worship with our processional hymn.
Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Please join me in praying the Collect for Purity. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what the Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Let us continue to give thanks for his goodness.
to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a song. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. So I throw my hands praise you be with you. Let us pray. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and to exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for the reading of the first lesson. The first lesson is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. It can be found on page 1016 in the Pew Bible. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. You, sorry, I lost my place. For, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the gospel reading. 
Great job, Richard. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we have a hard passage before us this morning, and so we pray for your Holy Spirit's help to understand what it has to teach us, but Lord, also your Holy Spirit's help to hear and receive what you have to say to us. Lord, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what you have for us this morning. Lord, challenge us as we need to be challenged. Comfort us as we need to be comforted. And glorify yourself in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated? My name is Curtis Froisland. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. Uh, our senior pastor, our rector, uh, Mike McDonald, is at our, our church plant across uh, the St. John's River in St. John's County at the table preaching this morning. And so I'm thrilled to get to share in the ministry of the word with you. We are wrapping up our first Peter series. And as you heard, the topic this morning is suffering. I want to throw out a, a hypothetical situation for you. Imagine you're in a situation where you can avoid a significant amount of suffering by simply rejecting what you know to be true or by simply doing the wrong thing. In other words, you can avoid suffering if just by just one little sin, just one little sin. You can keep on staying comfortable and secure and safe, and all you have to do is just one little sin. Philosophers have been thinking about this question, is it better to suffer evil or to commit evil for ages? Socrates even thought about this question, and the apostle Peter comes along and gives us God's perspective. You know, imagine a scenario. Imagine, uh, imagine something in your workplace where you're being asked to participate in something that you personally believe is wrong, and not just because you believe it's wrong, but because you, you believe that the scriptures say it's wrong. But you know if you don't go along with the crowd, it's gonna potentially hurt your career. 
Maybe you'll get passed over for a promotion. Maybe you might even be disciplined or even fired. Is it better to suffer or to sin? And Peter says, absolutely clearly, it is better to suffer for Christ's sake than to sin. And he doesn't give any qualifiers like, oh, well, if it's a lot of sin and a, sm- a lot of suffering and a small sin, well, that would be okay. No, it's better to suffer than to sin. Look at verses 15 and 16. He says, let none of you suffer as an evildoer, right? Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, even a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. It's better to suffer than to sin. And he's going to give us three reasons that it's better to suffer than to sin. The first one, it's better to suffer than to sin because through suffering, God refines our faith. Secondly, it's better to suffer than to sin because suffering for Christ shows that we belong to Christ. And third, it's better to suffer than to sin because if we suffer with Christ, if we share in his sufferings, we will share in his glory. So let's look at this passage together. First of all, it's better to suffer than to sin because through suffering, God refines or tests or purifies, whichever word you want to use, our faith. Now, this is something that Peter's already talked about way uh, five weeks ago, the second uh, Easter 2, the second week after Easter. Um, we talked about 1 Peter chapter 1, and in verses 6 and 7, he says, uh, you face various trials of many kinds that the tested genuineness of your faith of more worth than gold may be revealed. So he's the idea of the refiner's fire. Maybe if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably heard this explained, or if you're a backyard metallurgist, you probably know what, that, what refining means. But the idea is if you mine something, say you mine gold, when you take it out of the ground, it's not pure, right? It's mixed, the, the ore is mixed with all manner of impurities, the stuff that you, you're not trying to, you're not trying to mine not gold, right? You're trying to mine gold. So, you, so what do you do? You put it in a furnace and you heat it up. And because precious metals have a higher uh, burning point or boiling point than these other things, the impurities are burned away. They're melted away. And what you're left with is the very thing you're looking for, right? The gold, the silver, whatever it might be. And Peter's using that analogy back in chapter one, and he's bringing it back here for us in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. God is purifying our faith when we suffer. He's, he's uh, removing the dross. He's removing the impurities. He's removing the imperfections and all of the mixed allegiances that we have in our hearts. One pastor said that he, t- that he spoke with a, a metallurgist one time, and he said, well, how do you know when you've purified it enough? And the man said, when I can see my reflection in it is when I know I've purified it enough. And that's what God's doing. When he sees the likeness of Jesus in us, he will, until he sees that, he will keep purifying and refining our faith. In God's hands, the suffering that we face is a refiner's fire. It's bringing the, the precious faith of more worth than gold to be stronger and purer and clearer. You know, it's easy to say when all is well, it's easy to say, yeah, of course I believe in God. Yeah, Jesus is my Savior. I know he died on the cross for my sins. He's my Savior and my Lord. It's easy to say that when everything's going well. But suffering brings the crucible in which you find out, do I really believe that? Is Jesus really the center of my life or is he some appendage that I've brought in to try and get me the things that I want? Is, is God a means to an end or is he the end? 
Is he what I want, or is what he can give me what I want? And suffering is the only way that we will know which side of the line we fall on. Only through suffering will we know where our ultimate joy, our ultimate hope, our ultimate contentment, our ultimate rest is found. And this morning, we're, we have Youth Sunday. We're, we're celebrating our graduates, high school and college graduates. And, and I just want to say, and it applies to everybody, really, throughout this life, we will have a constant temptation to look to things other than God to be our ultimate source of contentment, joy, hope, rest, peace. As you, if you're a high school student, as you go into college or as you're a college graduate and you, you go into career, some of the things that you might be tempted to look to are beauty or physical attractiveness or the relationships that you might have with another person or if you're moving into your career, you're looking for your career to fulfill you in some deep, deep way. But what happens, because every human being ages, right? What happens when you're no longer as beautiful as you used to be, but your whole identity and your whole, whole worldview is built on your beauty and your ability to attract other people? What happens when you age? What happens when you face debilitating illness? If, if your career is your hope, what happens when you get laid off? Or what happens if, you, you know, you've been working at this for four years in college, and then maybe you do a master's degree for another year or two years, and you finally arrive at the career you always wanted, and you arrive, and on, on the, the first five years of it, you realize, I hate this job. <laughs> what do you do? Your whole life has been about getting to this point, and then you get to that point, and you find out it's actually not fulfilling. You can begin to try and climb the ladder and climb the ladder, but what you will always discover is that nothing will satisfy your, whole, your heart ultimately. Nothing will give you a hope that suffering can't take away except for faith in Christ. Suffering and trial will come and it will take away your false gods and that is a good thing. God uses suffering to refine our faith. Peter admonishes us, don't be surprised when you face suffering. You know, this is a broken and rebellious world. Jesus has ascended and is ruling and reigning from heaven. Uh, the, the, the great victory has been won, but the mopping up ex, uh, expedition has not been completed. There are still people and forces in rebellion to Jesus. So, of course, they're suffering in this world. And the servant's not greater than the master. If our Lord Jesus, uh, his life, he was a man of sorrows, right? His life was marked by suffering. Of course, then, those who follow him are going to suffer as well. In verse 12, don't be surprised at the fiery trial as something strange. It's not strange that you suffer. You know, it's, it, it seems strange to us when we suffer, but it's actually normal. That's what Peter's saying. It's normal to suffer. In fact, it's normal to suffer for Christ's sake. We in the West have enjoyed uh, generations of relative ease of being a Christian, right? There's no social pressure to not be a Christian for, for centuries, and so we've, we've been the abnormal ones. But historically and globally, it's always been a, a tension, a conflict, when you align yourself with King Jesus, who rules in heaven against the powers and principalities that seek to rule the world. In, this, uh, in our changing culture, that, that tension that we're feeling, that, that unrest that we're feeling, is actually, in some sense, a return to normalcy because it is becoming clear if your allegiance is ultimately to Jesus or to the things Jesus can give you. We are re-entering a pagan 
way of looking at the world, that radical expressive individualism that Mike talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, we might be called, we might be, be named or characterized as a bigot. We might be ostracized if we don't affirm a classmate or a coworker's lifestyle or choice of identity. We might be, our, our career, going back to that opening illustration, our career might be damaged if we stand for the truth of the gospel. But just so that it's clear, it, it's not just the left, it's not just progressives, it's not just theologically liberal people who have been sucked into radical, expressive individualism. It's us too. You know, you will find in the church many people who agree with the Bible on certain issues because the Bible agrees with them not the other way around. And when the Bible begins to speak against their political opinions, when it begins to speak against their assumptions about the world, then we'll find out if it's a conviction of the word of God or if it's a means to an end. Peter says, don't be surprised that, you're, that you suffer and, and in fact rejoice when you suffer because God is going to use that suffering to purify and refine your faith. Second of all, it's better to suffer than to sin because uh, when we suffer for Christ, it shows that we belong to Christ. In verse 14, he says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, then you are blessed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, then you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you know Jesus, if you've trusted in him, if you, if you said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, I need your forgiveness, and my only hope is your death and resurrection, if that's you, then you have the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling on you, which means you are aligned with the kingdom of God and of his Christ, and the kingdom of this world will constantly seek to kill and destroy faith. We have the glorious spirit of God resting upon us, so when we suffer, it's evidence of that. It's because we have the Spirit of God that we suffer. Do you see that? It's, be, it's, it's, not that, it's not that we suffer so that we can get the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God, and the suffering for Christ's sake is the proof. One commentator put it this way, uh, that God has not abandoned Christians who suffer, but to the contrary, God is powerfully present in the experience of suffering for Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. When we suffer for Christ, we are not alone. We are not abandoned, but God is with us in the midst of our suffering. Now, if you've ever suffered, you know that you are going to be tempted to sin, right? You're going to be tempted to deny what you know is true or what you believe. You're going to be tempted to sins of escape. You're going to be tempted to sin, and, and Peter says, don't fall into it. You know, he does the th kind of three headline sins. Don't be a murderer. Don't be a thief. Don't be an evildoer. But then, don't be a meddler, right? Don't be a busybody. Don't be wagging your finger at people, telling them how they ought to live their lives. That's what that means. Don't fall into sin, but rejoice when you suffer for Christ's sake. Verse 16, uh, rejoice that you suffer and glorify God in that name, the name Christian. Glorify that, that God thought you worthy of suffering for the name of Christ, right? The apostles in Acts chapter 6, when they're, they're beaten by the Sanhedrin for preaching Christ, they rejoiced and praised God that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name. It's better to suffer than to sin. That, that great um, example of Hebrews 11, when Moses 
in the hall of faith, right? The, the author of Hebrews is telling us all these great saints who have gone before, and it says about Moses, eleven twenty four and following, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. He rejected the identity of being Pharaoh's child. He rejected Egypt. He rejected power. He rejected wealth, and he said, I belong to the Hebrews. I belong to the people of God. I belong to the children of God. He uh, goes on. He considered the reproach of Christ, being insulted, reviled, mocked, the reproach of Christ of more worth than all the riches of Egypt. If you are a Christian, suffering is evidence that you belong to him, that you belong to Christ, that the Spirit of God is with you, that you are part of this people of God whose allegiance is to King Jesus. Finally, it's better to suffer than to sin because sharing in Christ's suffering means we will share in his glory. If you look at verse 13, it says, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. That word that, it it tells us what the purpose, the desired result, the goal is. God's goal for us when we suffer is that we will, if we share in the sufferings of Jesus, we will share in the glory of Jesus. Just as he died for sins on the cross and suffered and was glorified in his resurrection, so we, our hope, is that we suffer in the name of Christ and we will share in the glory of his resurrection. Peter, or Paul says very much the same thing in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, uh, desiring to know Christ, that I might share in his suffering, that somehow I might share in his resurrection. That's our hope. Our hope is not the alleviation of suffering here and now, but that through the suffering, we get God at the end. Is God a means to an end, or is he the end? It's not that suffering's enjoyable, hear me, right? We're not the people in Monty Python self-flagellating. That's not what I'm saying. It's not that suffering's enjoyable. It's not that we don't grieve. It's not that we're not sorrowful. It's not that we don't weep and cry out when people we love die or when bad things happen to us. It's not that we don't feel a sense of injustice. It's that we bring all of that under the good news that he has ascended and is ruling and reigning and will return in glory to judge the living and the dead. And that God is at work even in the midst of our suffering. The great, uh, Church of England priest and Old Testament scholar Alec Motier, he said it this way. He says, we neither know how many days we have left on earth nor what those days will contain, but we do know that be they many or few, smooth or rough, at the end of them there is glory, the resurrection of the dead. This past Friday, many of you will have seen Pastor Tim Keller passed away, passed into glory. Let me say it a better way. And one of the things, uh, Pastor Keller was a huge influence on me through his preaching, teaching, ministry, just his whole ministry philosophy and um, the way that he shaped so many people's thinking. I'm so grateful to God, to him. And I was heartened by one of the last things that he said to his family. He said, there is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. If you think that suffering is only there to let you share in the glory of God, then you will say crazy things like that on your deathbed. Do you have that kind of hope? Do you know Jesus and the the power of sharing in his sufferings that you might someday share in his glory? I hope that you do. 
Because Peter then turns to the thing that's going to be really unpopular in verses 17 and 18. He says, if you, if you suffer as a Christian and you think that's hard, imagine what it's like for those who do not obey the gospel. Verses 17 and 18. For it is the time for the judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? This is the ultimate reason it's better to suffer than to sin. He's saying, you Christians in Asia Minor, you Christians in 21st century America, do not forsake your faith. Do not for a second believe that you will alleviate suffering by falling into sin. Do not reject Christ for even a moment. Don't even consider it, for he is your hope and salvation. If you reject Christ, it will be far, where you think suffering's bad now, it will be far worse if you reject Christ. That's his point. The Bible speaks throughout of the judgment coming at the end of the age. We say in the creed, he will come again to judge the living, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account of our life. And the only thing that will win the day for us is whether or not we have faith in Jesus. It begins with the household of God. If you think suffering's tough now, that's what Peter's saying. He's saying the suffering we're facing now, that's all the judgment we have, right? When we go stand before the judgment seat of God, we will we'll plead Christ and him crucified and we'll be accepted in God's eternal life. And we will know God forever. We have nothing to fear if we have faith in Jesus and what he's done for us in the gospel it's better to suffer than to sin because if we, if we share in Christ's sufferings now, we will get to share in his glory when he returns. So finally, what do we do? Verse 19. Peter says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. First of all, notice, uh, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. You know, Jesus ascended into heaven, and he could have just zapped everything and made all things new right in that moment, but he chose not to because at, 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 some, at, at least we have to say it was his will that the world would go on this way because real faith would be revealed. But more than that, notice what he says, two things, entrust yourself to God and do good. Entrust yourself to God and do good. And that's kind of a weird you know, it's a, it's a passive active description, right? It, trusting, trusting yourself to someone else is passive. It's like putting your hope in them. But entrusting yourself to them means you have to do it, right? You have to say to God, I'm entrusting myself to you. I don't understand how this suffering can be doing all the things that Curtis was talking about on Sunday, but I'm entrusting myself to you, Lord. You are the faithful creator. You are the one who sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins and was raised again and promises to come back and make all things new and to judge the living and the dead. I, I'm, later in chapter five, Peter will say, cast your anxieties on him for he cares for you. Why can you trust God? Because he cares for you. He loves you. And trust yourself to him. Don't trust other things. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust other people. Don't trust career. Don't trust love. Don't trust sex. Don't trust family. Don't trust relationship. Trust Christ. And you will, you will weather the suffering. And then finally, do good. 
You know, notice he doesn't say go hide somewhere until it's over. Keep doing good. You know, don't fall into the, uh, the murder, thief, uh, evildoer, meddler, but keep doing good. Keep proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Keep living in that way that raises people's eyebrows. Keep loving people who hate you. Keep uh, not reviling when you are reviled. Keep serving your masters even when they're unjust. Keep doing good. Because verse 10, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, that, that our hearts and minds and wills would be conformed to this hard truth that it's better to suffer than to sin. Oh Lord, that we would have such a view of your goodness, your glory, your faithfulness, your mercy toward us, that all our suffering would pale in comparison. Oh Heavenly Father, that we would have the faith to entrust ourselves to you and bless those who persecute us. And to see suffering as a refining fire. And Lord, by your Holy Spirit, empower us to do good. Even when our head is spinning. Even when our hearts are hurting, Lord. Help us to walk and take up our cross and follow after Jesus. Lord, we need your help on all these things. We pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. If you are in a season of suffering, I pray that your faith would be strengthened as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, being reminded that we serve a God who's promised to never abandon us and to give us exactly what we need to do. So let us confess our faith. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. 
we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I invite you to kneel if you are able. Otherwise, please be seated for the prayers of the people. As we come to God, who already knows what we need, we pray with confidence because of his great love for us. During the silence after each bidding, please join in these prayers by adding your own specific petitions, aloud or in silence. Father, through your son Jesus' victory over the grave, you have delivered us from fear and death. Attune our hearts to cooperate with your spirit's leading so that we, your church, may diligently endeavor for your kingdom to come and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for God's people throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, embolden your servants in the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to make disciples of all nations, and to faithfully teach your commandments. Pray for the mission of the global church. Lord, in your mercy. Father, turn the hearts of those who govern towards you, that as they live in your blessing of new life, they may lead with humble wisdom and spread mercy and justice in our state, our country, and our world. Pray for our earthly leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Mighty God, your defeat of death changed everything. Transform our county, our city, our neighborhoods to make all dark places bright with your living presence. Pray for Fleming Island and the First Coast region. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, giver of life and health, we thank you for your fatherly goodness and compassion upon all whom you have made. We ask that you comfort and relieve those who are in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity, that they may be strengthened in their weakness and have confidence in your loving care, especially remembering Sue, Sheila, David, Jackie, Sherry, Ken, Jim, Shelley, Deanna, Anita, Kay, Bonnie, Paula, and Steve. Pray for those you know who are poor, sick, or in need. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I give to you, my own peace I leave with you. Regard not our sins, but the faith of your church, and give to us the peace and unity of that heavenly city, where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign, now and forever. Amen. Holy Spirit, we invite you to search our hearts and our minds and to bring, bring to our attention anything that we need to confess to you. 
let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy promised the forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins and confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and bring you to everlasting life through Christ our Lord. Amen. I hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. As a forgiven people, I invite you to stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Please extend God's peace to one another. Peace be with you. Good word. Peace be with you. At this time, we continue our worship in our giving, in prayer, and at the Lord's table. If you have an offering that you would like to give this morning, there will be three plates uh, on the pedestals here up front, and when you come up at the Lord's table to receive communion, you can put your offering in the plate. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to be praying for throughout the week, um, there is a visitor's card in the pew rack in front of you. You can write out out that prayer request and place it in the plate. And we will also have uh, prayer ministers who are available in the transept to my left, your right, to pray for you. When you're, after you've received communion, you're welcome to go up and invite them to pray with you of a need that you have. And all baptized followers of Jesus Christ are welcome here at the Lord's table. The ushers will lead you down the center aisle and you'll come down uh, to the center and spread out to the outside. We ask you to kneel if you're able, otherwise you can stand You just put out your hands like this, and a wafer, consecrated wafer, will be placed in your hands. If you prefer a gluten-free wafer, we can accommodate that need. Just uh, turn your hands upside down. And then afterwards, a chalice of wine will follow, and you can dip the wafer in the chalice and consume the wafer, or you can drink from the chalice, or if you prefer not to, you can just consume the wafer. And if for some reason this morning you uh, would don't feel that you want to receive communion, you are still invited to come up and we would be happy to pray a blessing over you. Just cross your arms like this and we will know to pray a blessing over you. So, let, us, uh, let our light shine before others. 
so that may, they may see our good deeds and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Thank you.
things come from you, O Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is right, our duty and our joy, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, through your dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who after his most glorious resurrection appeared to his apostles and in their sight ascended into heaven to prepare a place for us, that where he is there we might also ascend and reign with him in glory. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. sit as you are able as we continue in prayer. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We offer you these gifts, sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit, to be for your people 
the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him that he may dwell in us and we in him. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ Jesus died for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven.
Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for feeding us with this spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. I invite you to be seated because we have uh, a a couple of uh, missions of the week and some announcements. So I'd like to invite Jennifer to come on up. Jennifer Lancaster and Jordan Franco and any of the other, uh, if you are a core team member from Seoul in the City, you're welcome to come up as well. So our mission of the week is our summer programs here at Grace Anglican Church. And uh, coming up soonest is VBS, which starts on June 4th and runs through, I believe, the 9th on Friday, Sunday through Friday. And it's always a great week for our children uh, that go all the way up through uh, fifth grade or Seventh grade, sixth grade, okay, and begins, uh, is it preschool? Three years old. So if you haven't registered and you were thinking of coming, I highly encourage you to come out. The students have a lesson, they get to hear about missions, they have an activity, they get to get outside, they have a meal, they have food, it it just comes singing and dancing. You might even see Jordan dance a little bit. So I encourage you to not only sign up, but also if you have a family, if you have a neighbor who has children that you think would be blessed to have a week where they can come out and celebrate God's goodness and to be with other children, have a great time, I encourage you to have them sign up as well. And if you would like to uh, offer to help out as volunteers, if you have any questions, Jennifer will be at the kiosk after the service. And for Soul in the City, which begins on June 25th and runs through the 30th, and that is from 7th grade up through high school, uh, rising 12th graders. And so uh, this is a great time for you to consider how you might want to participate as a volunteer. Jordan will be at the kiosk, and there will be a sign-up. Many of you have helped out uh, over the years, and it's been so wonderful to have uh, adult presence for those students to see as they're coming down the food line and, and just preparation overall throughout the week. So if you have any questions about that or, again, would like to volunteer Uh, We'd love for you to stop by the kiosk and at least have a conversation with Jordan. So let's pray uh, for these two upcoming camps and ask God's blessing upon them. Lord, we thank you for the gift of our campus and these uh, facilities, the buildings, and most of all, your people, Lord, that we can have these great camps where children are encouraged in their faith as they go out and serve in the community as they're taught Bible lessons, as they get to laugh and play and rejoice in your goodness, to sense your presence. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing upon those two events. We also ask your blessing upon Jennifer and Jordan as they head up these events, that you would go before them, you would protect them and keep them healthy, and that you would rise up uh, the volunteers and the support teams around them so that your kingdom would, uh, would advance and that your work would grow in the hearts and minds of these children and the adults and around our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jennifer and core team. Thank you, Jordan. And two announcements. Uh, Today is the newcomer's lunch, and so if you hadn't signed up but you have been attending Grace, 
uh, for a few times and you'd like to know more about the church here, uh, it's not too late. The uh, luncheon begins right after our third service, right around uh, 12.15, and so you're welcome to come, and we have a lunch provided, and uh, you can hear more about the vision and the history and, and uh, about Grace Anglican. Also, very exciting news, uh, Curtis received his, his official approval by the uh, standing committee to move forward with the ordination to the priesthood. Congratulations, Curtis. And that will take place on Friday, June the 2nd, his ordination. So we want to encourage you to come out and support and celebrate uh, Curtis and his family for his ordination. Uh, I believe the time, is it at 6.30 or 7? 6.30. So again, Friday, June 2nd. So let me uh, pray a blessing over us as we go out and uh, into the world in, in Christ's name. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. I invite you to stand for our processional. Recessional, sorry.
Alleluia, alleluia. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.